And the lucky winner is Bud Grinchmaster B. Bundy. I won. I won. Me. Anthrax is coming here. Anthrax is coming here. I'm having a party. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. That's right, it's Wednesday, we are back in the nudie bar. This is the show that, well, it's kind of like eating mom's mystery pack. Gives you the same effects, hallucination, it should be cold, but it's hot, who knows, I don't know. My name is Al, and I'm ready to go the whole nine yards. Do you really want me to get the ruler? Hey. (laughs) I'm Jamie, and it looks like we might have a killer here. Dan, bite me. (laughs) And I'm Mr. Venom, Jerry Cortez, and I am the master of the 22nd bump and snore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, Dan, that was perfect. I can't believe I didn't even think about that when he said it. Yeah, his name is Dan. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) Amazing. Dan, bite me. (laughs) Wow, it's so good. Well, yeah, this is uh, a big episode. We are all fans of Anthrax, so it's great to review, finally, My Dinner with Anthrax, Season 6, Episode 18. Bud and Kelly send their parents on a romantic trip for their anniversary, which no one will ever forget. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Larry Jacobson. Special guest stars, Fred Willard as Stan. Roger Rose as VJ. Ed Burns as Ed Burns. Ed Hall as DJ. Uh, it's the guy on the TV. Joey... Oh, uh, and all the guys of Anthrax. Uh, at the time, it was Joey Belladonna, Frank Bello, Charlie... Benat... Ben, uh, Benante. Yeah, there you go. Scott Ian and Dan Spitz. How dare you, Dan? <laughs> my bad. Don't you spit on my face. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a big episode actually for our show, too, because if anyone has noticed, uh, the song that they play on this episode, we play on every single show here. Uh, not, I think I started doing it in like uh, production-wise in like season three and a half, maybe in four, four tops, but... Once we're done with the whole intro thing, once we start talking on the show for real, that's when you'll hear that music in the background. So we've been doing it for a long time now, over a year, I think, because it's that badass. (laughs) Now, Jerry, have you noticed that? Of course. I mentioned it. I actually mentioned it on the page the first time because I didn't notice it the first few times for some reason. I usually listen to podcasts in the car, Mm. so I'm not always listening to the background music, trying to concentrate on the road and what the podcasters are talking about. But, yeah, when I noticed it, I went right to your page and said that I noticed that. Give you some kudos for that one. Nice. Now, uh, thank you for joining us on this show. We know you're a big fan of Anthrax, and that's why you wanted to hop on. So uh, just tell everybody about your history with Married with Children and or Anthrax. Uh, Well, I mean, 
Anthrax came first. Uh, that would be the uh, early to mid '80s. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Anthrax album. They had uh, an original lead singer whose name actually escapes me right now. He wasn't in the band for very long. But then Joey Belladonna joined at like the second or third album, and uh, this would have put me in junior high, probably about '85, '86. And when they put out Among the Living in '87, that was it. That uh, I, I still consider Among the Living probably a top 10 heavy metal album of all time. Um, even though Anthrax went through a couple of member changes throughout the years, I was always a fan. Even when John Bush sang for them, which I know was a big change from Joey Belladonna to John Bush, but uh, I still was a fan of the John Bush version of Anthrax, Anthrax uh, 3.0, I guess you could call it. And then when Joey Belladonna rejoined, you know, I was right back on board. Not to say that I, you know, stopped listening to Anthrax, but for the most part, I started listening to much heavier stuff. Um, in the early 90s, early to late 90s, I started listening to much, much heavier metal. So I kind of kind of grew apart from Anthrax. But then uh, when Joey Belladonna rejoined in the 2000s, I was right back on board. And they're still putting out some great music to this day. So, yeah, still always been a fan. Uh, I can't imagine I'll stop being a fan. Well, you and- heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Venom likes Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a doubt? <laughs> very true very true and then as far as the show i mean married with children i since literally since episode one i remember married with children being one of the very early fox tv shows i mean way before like the <clears throat> simpsons you know some of the heavy hitters that fox put out in the 90s mm. um and as soon as i saw the very first commercial for that show uh before the first episode aired i'm like okay i'm gonna get into this this seems really cool because it was a show that my parents did not like because of how raunchy it was and obviously as a teenager you know you're gonna love anything your parents think is too raunchy so and yeah and that was it i mean lifelong fan watched the show in its first run every single episode first to last really and actually shed a little bit of tear uh, a, a tiny little tear watching the final episode because i really i i can't say that married with children was ever my absolute favorite show mm-hmm. but it was always like top three to five and it was i was always there yeah yeah i would never miss it i mean i would leave parties and things early on sunday nights just to get home in time to watch it because it was always on like at eight so, you know, it, it was like the first of the Sunday night Fox shows. So, yeah, I had to be I always had to be home by eight, regardless of what I was doing. If I remember parties at eight, you know, they're Sunday parties. So they were like more like pool parties, you know, <laughs> nobody started Sunday night parties at like eight or nine yeah. for the most part. Well, you are clearly the perfect person for this episode. So awesome. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's going to be good. And Alan Pegg go to sunny Florida. Let me get that lizard there for you. For a weekend of love. It's our anniversary. You can at least have the decency to step outside and give us three seconds to have sex. Meanwhile, Kelly and Bud party down with Anthrax. These guys are cool. On Married with Children, Sunday on Fox. This episode, Al and Peg are celebrating their 20th anniversary. In season one, they celebrated their 16th in a famous episode called 16 Years and What Do You Get? So don't do the math. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It starts off very strangely to me and to any 
like diehard fan of the show who like memorizes way too much. There's nothing I do good enough for you. I am not talking to you. I don't want to discuss this anymore. Al, it's our 20th anniversary, and you give me a postcard. <laughs> well, I read that the gift for the 20th anniversary is China. That's a picture of China. <laughs> what do you want from me? Hey, I could have got you a Chicago Bears mug with a fill-up. But I said, no. My wife's anniversary, here's the nickel, give me the postcard. <laughs> Happy anniversary, babe. Now, this entire intro goes completely against everything that the character of Al kind of established as important and meaningful when the show first started. So I pulled this clip of season one. Now, it's just for this part here. It really doesn't, uh, you know, pertain to anything else in the episode. So here he throws a nickel towards Peg's anniversary present, right? Season six, Al, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. listen to what season one Al used to think about anniversary gifts. Well, my <laughs> wife and I agreed that we wouldn't spend too much on our anniversary we decided we save our money for more important things. There is no more important thing than your anniversary. See, an anniversary is something special. It's not like other holidays when other people are celebrating too. It's just between the two of you. See, it's, it's a day when you can show how you feel the rest of the year, but you don't, because you're a man. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, to know me is to love me. <laughs> So as you can see, he thought very differently uh, five years ago. Wow. <laughs> a lot can change in five years. I mean, a lot changed in just eight years. His character, well, I guess all the characters have gone through so many different arcs over the years. <laughs> it's pretty wild. And it still will. His voice is even different. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, he had the Homer Simpson syndrome where, if you remember, Dan Castellaneta, ugh, he uh, he was very – he had that, like, stern, grumpy dad, annoyed mm-hmm. dad kind of thing going. Then they became more animated, like, almost instantly in season two. And by three, they both – it was, like, identical weird arcs for Dan and Ed O'Neill mm-hmm. in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. Weird I story. think that's just what happens when on shows you get – accustomed to your character you it's you sort of slide into your character and then Mm -hmm. you develop who they are when you first start it it's so difficult always to compare the first episode or the first season of any show to later seasons they're going to be different you know it's it's often weird to go back right yeah sometimes the pilots don't even make any sense like (laughs) say you finish a show and then you start it over you're like who is this they have kids they didn't have later on they live in a totally different house or (laughs) flipped in a different direction the staircase is on the wrong side it's like what the hell is happening right (laughs) sometimes it takes uh several seasons even to get your footing and develop the character you know, for what it is we all know these character characters as, you know? And I think with Married with Children, uh, specifically with Al, it just keeps getting better because now they just play towards what works for him, you right. know? And every year it seems like it gets stronger and just more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And uh, forget the, the way he talks. Al would never even say these things anymore. 
<laughs> like this no. is ridiculous. <laughs> His soul's gone. <laughs> so before we get too into this, Jamie, tell us about the uh, title of this episode. Well, the title of this episode is a reference to the 1981 film My Dinner with Andre, as well as presumably My Breakfast with Blassie. Nice. Oh, did anyone notice when the show opened that the uh, the curtains to the sliding glass door and also the back windows were closed? Mm-hmm. Something that never happens. Like, you never even see curtains there. But, right. uh, I mean, I think clearly it was because they already had... They the already snow. had the, the snow in place. <laughs> yep. And so that they, makes sense. They didn't that... want you to see it, but... It was, I was, but it was distracting. <laughs> I think it would have been less distracting for them to just shoot those scenes without the snow than add the snow than, you know, what, I mean, I guess maybe it was a time thing, but it mm-hmm. just, it was very distracting. So I knew something was going to be up in the backyard. Right. And I was like, something's going to be happening back there that they don't want me to see yet. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Not at all. Well, as indicated in this episode, Alan and Peggy have been married for 20 years at this point, meaning they were married on or around the 30th day of the month in 1972, though this would conflict with season one, where in 1987, Peg and Alice have been married for 16 years on the 23rd of the month, meaning that in 1992 would actually make it their 21st anniversary. In that episode, Al gave Peg some motor oil for their 16th anniversary, and Peg mentions it in this episode, but she said it was for their 15th. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to correct the math. Recon it or something? <laughs> now, you never get me anything good. For our 15th anniversary, you got me some motor oil. <laughs> hey, that motor oil's still in your car. Let's reference something that happened on an episode called 16 Years and What Do You Get, even though we're changing the year. (laughs) That makes total sense. But that's great that they tried. (laughs) So Peg wants to be made love to. And when she tells Alice, do you hear these guys in the audience? (laughs) Well, this year, I want something special. Oh, all right. How much? What I want won't cost you a thing. I want to be made love to. And you think that's not going to cost me anything? And I am not just talking about sex, Al. I want to be made love to. What in Sam Hill does that mean? I want to be held. I want to be caressed. I want to be romanced. Hey, wait a second. I've been secretly hiding a hundred bucks. What say I just give it to you and we call it even? No. That's one thing I never understood as a teenager. Al's aversion to having sex with his wife. I mean, for a 40-year-old woman, she's damn attractive. And And especially watching it now that I actually am that age, it's like, yeah, there's a problem with Al. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I just... I, mean, I, I love that whole for a forty-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the the mark that you always guys see if they're still holding on to it or not. You know, I mean, well, hey, if she, if she was twenty-one, she wouldn't be as attractive. <laughs> Looking like that, I mean. Peg was not a very attractive in season one, in my opinion. 
I think she got better looking. Like season three, she started really peaking, and then from there, it just got better. It's yeah, the I hair, mean, isn't it? It had to be. Yeah. <laughs> she had like a more glamorous look to her after that first season. The first season, she definitely looked like the spoiled housewife, which she still right. does throughout the series. Don't get me wrong. But I think her look got slightly more glamorous as the show went along. Her hair looked better. Her clothes looked better. She looked better. It looked like maybe she was even working out trying to keep her shape. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. She, uh, to me, she looked better as the series went on. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan, how much would you would you pay to buy your way out of having sex with Peg? <laughs> I mean, see, Ed, Ed, that's another thing, too, I never understood either. Like, I'm with you. I never understood, like, why that was a thing. I'm like, really? I'm like, he's really that upset about it? But I love how it's turned in to this ridiculous thing. Like, how many times have they set this up on this show? This this exact scenario over and over again. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like we said this before too. It doesn't feel tired though because they they just they just take different angles with it. Like with this one specifically, this is probably like one of the funniest ones. Like his reaction to having to sleep with his wife. <laughs> like it's just so over the top and just like so dramatic. And he's such a baby about it. Like it's just it's just perfect. Like it's absolutely perfect. Well, before Peg just wanted sex. This time she wants him to make love. So, I think I think there's a, a little bit of a reasoning behind the tears. But I, I, you're you're totally right. I mean, that the scene of him whimpering and crying in Jefferson's <laughs> office spectacular, absolutely spectacular. I I would say I'd go far as far as to say that this is his best reaction to hearing he has to have sex with Peg. Like, this was all so strong, and we'll get to each thing as it happens, but God, and, and Al sells it like it's the freshest joke they told on the show. Right. That's what's funny about it. It's a staple that we don't want to lose. I don't want to lose it. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want some romance in my life, Al, and I'm not talking about the old 30-second crash and burn. <laughs> the old 20-second bump and snore. <laughs> and I really don't want that old New Year's Eve 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2. Sorry, better luck next year. Hey, 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 please reconsider. Please, if you have any feelings for me, don't make me make love to you, babe. Please. Hey, do you hate me that much? Come on, bud. Bud and Kelly come home and I'm sorry, but Bud is looking worse than ever here. I mean, his his <laughs> hair is like horribly slicked back, whatever that is. This all red button up shirt that's tucked into his jeans. His jeans are cuffed with these black boots, no belt. He just couldn't. He looks like a reject from Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the opposite of what James Dean looked like in that movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. It look. I mean, did you guys notice how odd he looked? Absolutely. But then again, Bud always looks odd to me. I mean, especially in those shirts. Oh, yeah. I just can't ever get past the haircut. <laughs> right. The fact that back then I actually thought it looked good. <laughs> they are just about to announce the winner for my dinner with anthrax yeah. contest. Yeah. Where's the remote? Where's the remote? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think uh, a highlight for Bud in this episode, though, is when Kelly handed him the Vaseline, and he just had so much shame as he put it in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got a plan. Dad once told me about the old days. People would actually walk over to the TV and turn it on. <laughs> Go on. I'm not kidding. It just might work. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing that blows my mind. I get it. Like, I get that. Right. But at the same time, I was completely aware of things that happened before I was right. born. Like, totally. I, I know how things work, whether I had to use them or not. I am aware that they existed and I know how they work. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like Indiana Jones discovering this stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like holy crap. <laughs> And now's the moment you've been waiting for. It's time to pick the winner of the video channel's My Dinner with Anthrax contest. Yes. And as you can see, the guys are pretty excited. <laughs> we paid for a party in your house, including dinner for you and 50 of your closest friends. And Anthrax will rock your house off. Yeah. Is that right, guys? I mean, it's weird to call it dinner with Anthrax, but <laughs> it sounds like a house party, but... Didn't they have these, though, back in the oh, yeah. TV yeah. a lot? Yeah, man. This was actually based on a, well, it the, the idea came about after a real contest um, where, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think the a girl won. And, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. From MTV in 89, where a girl won. And Anthrax came to her house and tra- and trashed it along with a new car that was to be presented to her. And I remember when that happened, and they just totally disrespected it. But when I was in high school, we had a contest on my local radio station for um, Slaughter to come and stay at your house. Like, Ooh, to, sp- to, spend it, to spend the night. Like, actually have, like, a slumber party with Slaughter, which... I'm sure parents love that. I, yeah, and I never found out what happened with it. I never found out who won, or I never heard anything else about it. But that was a local thing in Atlanta because they were coming in for concert, and they were like, you know, they're going to stay at somebody's house. And I'm like, really? Are people's parents going to be okay with that? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking they called it like dinner with anthrax. That way, parents would be okay with it. Like, it sounds a little more formal. That's true. You know, oh, you're just going to go to Applebee's and then come right home. Oh, that's cute. Dinner with anthrax. (laughs) With anthrax. Yeah. Isn't that poison? (laughs) You know what, though? I'll bet if they wanted to, like if they didn't want to trash the house and trash the new car, like um, Scott Ian in particular could easily win over parents because he is so, so well-spoken. Yeah. I love I listening to I love listening to him talk about anything. Anything he is right? he's one of my favorite. Like anytime anyone interviews him, I'm all about it. And right. I just love hearing him tell stories about like being on the road. I love, you know, hearing him tell stories about how they got into doing, you know, different types of things and who their influences were and and just I don't know. I and even when he starts talking about politics and if if even if I don't agree with everything he says, I love the way that he and I'm not saying that I do or don't. I don't I honestly don't recall. I haven't heard him in a while. But if um, but I always loved the way that he spoke. I loved the way that he presented himself. He's very eloquent and he's very intelligent. 
and he's so passionate too. Like, and that, and that's why, like, you can tell it just like comes out of him. I've heard him talk about horror movies too, and I'll, I personally like, I'm not a fan of Anthrax just because it just, it's not really on my radar. I'm sure if I heard it, I'd really like it. I like the Bring the Noise song. That's cool, but like, other than that, I don't really know them. But just like you said, Jamie, I can listen to that guy talk about anything just because he's so like full of life and passionate. Well, it's funny you say that. They were interviewing that whole band for the Headbangers Ball. It was just for this appearance at Marrow Children. Uh, the whole Headbangers Ball episode took place in the Marrow Children studio. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Nice. Yep. I, I love that show back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> it was like pulling teeth trying to interview like the other three dudes. But like that was like the first segment. It was like really not great. It's almost like they're wasting all of our time because, like, they're trying to be kind of sarcastic and just, like, whatever. <laughs> and, like, they would even give these non-answers then, like, look at people behind, like, what we're looking at and then laugh and stuff. So <laughs> so then the guy just bailed on, like, those three guys. And then he went to, to Ian and Dan Spitz. They sat at the table in the kitchen. And then, like, they started really answering these questions. And it was a lot better. But Ian is clearly the one. Right who is the most articulate yeah oh absolutely and if there's any i'm sure most of us uh and and a lot of people listening are also horror movie fans i if if you are a fan of scott ian i highly recommend checking out his internet show blood and guts with scott ian basically he goes and visits a bunch of different like effect studios and you know they like they cut his head off in one scene (laughs) they like rip his face off in another and then on one episode he actually tells the story about how he was a walker on the walking dead back that's in right yeah that's right <laughs> scott ian gets to grab rick's foot in one episode <laughs> <laughs> that's me man good for him that's awesome <laughs> yep <laughs> bud has like an owl moment which is just odd i am dying wouldn't it be so cool if anthrax came to our house Sure, it'd be great for them, because they get to meet me. <laughs> Grandmaster B and Anthrax. <laughs> they think they're getting some now. Gee, thigh master. <laughs> Shouldn't you be undressing yourself with your eyes about now? Because they get to meet him. Well, he is Grandmaster B. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, okay, that could work, but here's where he's just completely delusional. <laughs> it, it's not, He's saying this as if he's been making a name for himself in rap this whole time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, half of it was a dream. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> right. Like, even when he rapped to that girl at, at, on, on his couch, he goes, you know, in the streets where everyone's meat, uh, you know, ducking and hiding, like whatever he was saying in that rap. Wasn't that pretty much the only rap he did even on this show? Basically. <laughs> did he do any other rap since then? I don't recall. So what exactly is he is he referring to that they would be excited to meet? What, because you just named yourself that so you can get in chick's pants? You think that's what I'd be excited to meet you? Uh, he's more legit than some of these SoundCloud rappers now. Oh. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> what are they, mumble rappers? Like, since Jump, this guy has not even rapped on the show. 
Like, at least Al played football for his delusion where he thinks somebody would care about this. What did Buddy even do? It was almost like the Fonzie. But, like, Fonzie, you just know he's cool. With Bud, (laughs) it's like he's just trying to tell us. Like, (laughs) nobody's buying it. (laughs) It is a, a delusion that's beyond... A lot of musicians have that delusion, too, and I I can say that from experience. I am a musician. I've been in a couple of bands, and yeah, we're always more popular in our head than we actually are. That's just a fact. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think the same is true for podcasters. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm Howard Stern. Wait, you're not? No, I have absolutely no money or no audience. I'm on the wrong (laughs) show. But I'm Robin. Thank you. Good night. Very nice. I'll give you that. I guess I'm already. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, Thanks. he's not Beetlejuice? <laughs> oh, shots fired. I'm not wearing a diaper. You're wearing a diaper. <laughs> he's Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. Oh, that reminds me of their their uh, their accents in this episode. Did anyone else notice that they sound like Sleepaway Camp characters? Yeah, they all have that New York accent. That Brooklyn accent, man. Classic. <laughs> They're going to announce the winner now. And the lucky winner is Bud Grinchmaster B. Bundy. I won. I won. Me. Anthrax is coming here. Anthrax is coming here. I'm having a party. Grinchmaster. So, okay. I have a question about this. Now, I come. I understand that when Kelly mispronounces his name or, or Peg, that they're just screwing with them. They're, right. they're purposely... Did this guy, does this guy, uh, Art Hall, does he not know how to read English? Because I can't imagine Bud actually wrote Grinch Master B on the postcard. Maybe Kelly entered it for him. Yeah, because they are both into it. That would make more sense. Okay. They should have done that gag then. (laughs) That that would have been great. (laughs) Right. Like he could look at her and and say, you just couldn't write my name properly. Uh, Yeah, that's actually, I was kind of waiting for that because when he said it, I'm like, really? Kelly must have done that. And then I was waiting for a response, but but then I was like, well, he's so excited, maybe he just doesn't care. But <laughs> I think it would have been funnier if they're... And sometimes when they just keep going with that joke and they just keep messing up the name and don't even really provide any context or, like, reasoning yeah. behind it, it's, it's, just, it's funnier. just funnier. Like, it's yeah. just ridiculous. I think it just, it just shows that the universe does not respect this whole thing. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, like, everybody feels that way. Right. Even subconsciously. The guy don't even know him and he doesn't respect him. He doesn't even it. know. Right. <laughs> Grinch master. So, uh, <laughs> Kelly's reaction is so cute, though, man. Did you look at her, when, how excited she was when she s- saw that she won? Yeah, I was distracted by the fact that she was wearing pants. <laughs> what? <laughs> she never... Okay, I mean, she wears jeans on occasion, but I don't ever see her wear pants and a jacket. Like, what? what's up with all the clothes? Yeah, I told She's you. She's wearing so many clothes this season. She's changing. <laughs> well, it was cold out, so. She's growing up. It's February 23rd, 1992, in the world of television. Three days after my birthday. Whoa. How old, how old were you in 92? Seven. Jesus. How old? <laughs> Seven. Uh, Seven. Seven in 92. I was already like... Wow. I had Did hair you get then. your first iPhone when you were 10? <laughs> <laughs> no, we used two tin cans. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and a beeper. <laughs> it's important only because Bud asks to have his party on the 30th. 
But this episode was filmed and aired in February, and February doesn't have 30 days. Uh, so that means... Ah. <laughs> yeah. The 8th, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's odd in that thing, but in in non-podcasting world, no one's thinking about that. They're <laughs> <laughs> just watching TV. So And not the first time that they've messed up the dates. <laughs> right. Like, like some of it just makes no sense. Well, hold, hold up now. <laughs> this takes place in an alternate universe. I, 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 I can't get my head around this. I'm not watching this one again. It's the Married with Children multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> Only in a podcast you ever discuss stupid crap like that, right? In another alternate universe, Buck is uh, voiced by Cheech Marin. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry is the happiest could be. <laughs> Jerry actually was bummed out by some of my comments recently because I said I don't like Cheech as, as Buck. And I'm sorry, man. I got to stand by it. Listen, I love Cheech, Marin himself. But yeah, I like uh, I like my normal Buck. <laughs> hey, to each his own. And speaking of to each his own, Jerry, you are my favorite Jerry that's ever been on this show. Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> Long distance shots fired. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him to check this one out. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, Jerry doesn't of... listen to podcasts anyway, so <laughs> you're fine. Speaking of previous episodes, there was um, on the on the um, mm. the one with Stephen Scott, I was talking about an outfit that I remembered from something else with that was just like the dress that Roxanne was wearing, oh, yeah. but it was white and then blue and white I found it <laughs> and it just hit me one day uh, as I was just randomly on the internet it hit me it and I, I did <laughs> um, and it was Julia Roberts wore that outfit in Pretty Woman it was oh, right. it's, it's the little dress that she was wearing when Richard Gere picked her up the first time so for anyone out there who's not on the Facebook group page who is not aware of the fact that I posted that I was like I found um, <laughs> Who wouldn't pick her up in that? That's what you call an update. That's one of those times that I'm sad that the 90s are over. Like, if girls were still wearing that, <laughs> you wouldn't see me laughing. And hookers falling in love? I know, I miss the 90s. Yeah, but now we have now we have yoga pants, so that's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue with that. Well, guys, I want to have a big party, so I'm going to invite Grandma and a bunch of stuffed animals over my house. Uh, do you guys want to show up? <laughs> Gee, bud, 50 of your closest friends. Let's see, I guess that would be Grandma and a bunch of stuffed animals, huh? Yeah, and my favorite future welfare mother. Speaking of which, we've got to get rid of Mom and Dad. Oh, yeah, them. Yeah, they'd be great with anthrax. Mom getting out her accordion and playing songs of her stinking youth. And Dad saying, do any of you guys want to see my bathroom? The flesh will suck your arm right down. Well, maybe they'll listen to reason. Hey, Dad. Go away. Dad, this isn't about money. Go away, now. We want to throw a party on the 30th. Can we please? Absolutely not. I have something very important to do that night. Requires total silence. I can't get too technical, but it involves your mother, our anniversary, and me making love to her till I shrivel up and die. 
Now you're too young to hear any more, excuse me. I'm going to go outside and walk blindly in traffic. And, like, how awkward is that? And I like how he says, you're too young to hear any more. Like, why are you telling your son... Any of it. (laughs) I I don't want to hear it now, and I'm 39. (laughs) Like, this kid is, like, 18, as we know, because of that episode. But, I mean, God, that's so bizarre. If my dad was to tell me, so I'm going to make love to your mom next week, I'd be like, yeah, you have fun with that, bro. Don't ever talk to me again. (laughs) I don't need to know this. Uh, That is just only TV workable, I guess. Right. Yeah. So Al attempted uh, suicide in this episode. Uh, He's going through some hard times. He walked blindly into traffic. And I guess everyone swerved and missed him. I don't know. So he resorted to sucking on Jefferson's tailpipe. <laughs> that sounds dirty. That, yeah, that sounds odd. <laughs> Thanks for the image, Al. Was he trying to commit suicide by STD? <laughs> or pink eye? <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Oh. You feeling better, Al? <laughs> Okay, now that you're more composed, can you tell me what you were doing sitting behind my car with the exhaust pipe in your mouth? My wife wants me to make love to her. Well, then, shouldn't she be the one with her mouth on the exhaust pipe? (laughs) Okay, okay. Let's slow things down for a second here. Now... For all the ragging that's been done on Jefferson lately, how great was that line? That was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. Now, that's a double entendre, obviously. Uh, You could take this as, well, shouldn't Peg want to kill herself? Or you could take it the way they probably meant it. That's how you start things up. I don't know. Listen, I'm no writer. Oh, brilliant line. Oh, God. How great. (laughs) You don't understand. She wants me to hold her and to kiss her and tell her how happy she's made me feel. Look at me. I'm shivering. Parts of me have fainted. You can do it, Al. Wilt Chamberlain claims to have made love to over 20,000 women. Yeah. And not one of them was his wife. Do you guys believe that, and um, what do you think of that? 100%. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do, too. I mean, <laughs> this guy has been an elite athlete since he was a child. So, I mean, you got to figure, even in high school, he was probably rolling around in it. Just and, slinging it. Yeah, right. exactly. And then he goes to college. He's big man on campus. And back then, they went to school all four years. There was no one and done like there is today. So he went to school all four years. He probably nailed a good two, three thousand just in his college years. And then a, a 20 plus year NBA career traveling on the road. I, I, I absolutely believe it. And then Magic Johnson has sex twice and gets AIDS. <laughs> but he's still alive. So whatever. <laughs> 
didn't really mean anything, did it? It just, <laughs> like, all that really did was bring awareness to the world. <laughs> right. Because I never thought of AIDS. I don't bring, think... awa- bring awareness to the fact that 99% of Americans can't afford the correct yeah. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> yeah, is it, do, hey guys, do you think he's alive because of A, money, or B, <laughs> A? <laughs> Let's not go. Yeah. 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 There is no B. (laughs) There's no B. (laughs) Al comes back with the best line ever. And not one of them was his wife. (laughs) It's just not right. (laughs) Doesn't that kind of make you see where Al's coming from? You know, for all the normal guys out there, and especially Jerry earlier said, that's one thing I never got when he kept trying, you know, I don't want to sleep with my, with, with Peg, with Peg, with Peg. Now do you get it? The way Al kind of con- contextualized it like he was like he put it into such a context that you could almost understand like yeah Al would sleep with 20,000 women too as long as none of them were his wife <laughs> I don't think Al has the stamina to have sex with 20,000 women I don't care if it's over 30 40 years talking about nine seconds yeah it would only take like three hours to do this I mean him. unless he's doing like a dozen a night then maybe yeah wow. but Bring him through like cattle at a slaughterhouse. Oh, <laughs> boom! Got him! Boom! Got him! Boom! <laughs> well, his recovery time would be a little longer. Oh yeah, ten banana cream pies. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort of see through Al's eyes at that moment when he says that. I actually am not like Al, but at the same time, I could see what he means mm-hmm. when he tries to express that. You know, it's just a reference to the old joke of married couples not having sex. Right, right. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not just married couples. It's just any couple that's been together for a long time, the frequency of sex goes down. It's just a fact of life. We get old. We get tired. We get jobs. It's the same old person, though. You know, that, too. That I that I haven't I, I haven't gotten to that part yet. Like the whole seven year itch that people talk about. Nah. I've been with my wife 23 years. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've Aww. been with mine for 10, and I don't I don't think anything like that either. I think it's new every time. Yeah, exactly. But, um, Jamie, wasn't there a reference? Didn't Al say something like in the Nudie Bar episode where he says uh, something, something, uh, unless it's your wife, or? Mm, I don't know. Oh, a woman is only... Uh, is only hot until she's your wife. A woman. Oh yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, she's right. only she's only a woman until you marry her, and then she's your wife. Something like that. Like she's not a woman anymore once you marry her. A, a woman <laughs> is something. Nah, 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 and she's only hot until she's your wife. Or right? Wasn't it like a nudie bar rhyme or something weird like that? Might have been. I, that. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember word for word. What yes. So that's what he's really getting at. It's that it's because it's his wife. It's not really that she's not attractive, you know. Right. Right. All right. Come on. You can do it, Al. First, you you put on some music, and then you turn the lights down low. Low. Yeah. Low. Yeah. <laughs> but I can still see her. <laughs> hey. Then they like you to slowly undress them. Then you lower her gently onto the bed, and eight hours later, it's over. Eight, eight hours? Eight hours? Oh, God, the humanity. Hold me, Jefferson. 
You can do it, big guy. No, I can't. You don't understand. It's my wife. It's just not right. It's your own fault for being so damn desirable, Al. Yes, you're right. Of course, I see that now. When my look says yes, how can I say no? Well, I must prepare myself. What are you going to do, some wind sprints? No, no, I'm going to the magazine stand, get a copy of Biggins. (laughs) Great big bottle of Dramamine for the she-sickness. So look at the body language in this whole scene of Al and Jefferson. Like, I mean, they're sitting right next to each other on the couch. Jefferson has his arm around Al on his shoulder the whole time. He's trying to comfort Al. He's showering him with positives. He's telling him he's so desirable while he's, like, messing with his hair and stuff. Like, this is clearly the transition of Al and Jefferson, like, where they really begin to to bond and start feeling like they are kind of like a yin-yang Kind of, right. even though they're they're more they're not really yinging, they're like more similar. But they just have this, they just gel now, and it's kind of the opposite of what we sort of didn't like, like when um, Al's uh, uncle or whatever died, and he goes, uh, "Hey Al, I heard about your uncle. I'm sorry. You want to go out for a drink?" And he goes, "Yeah, after you leave." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I think like this moment with them two is kind of like getting rid of that. Now we're moving into this best friend deal. What do you think? Right. But yeah, I totally agree with you. It seems like it's like confirmed in this episode that they're like absolutely friends now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they uh, continue with this dynamic for a while, too. Like, I, and I like it, you know, yes. and that's why before like that, that's why I was always kind of, you know, <clears throat> nobody was really impressed with Jefferson. But at the same time, they had to have him first enter the show mm. And, you know, do some stuff with that. And, you know, to have them best friends automatically. I mean, if any show could get away with it, it would be this one. But I'm ki- I'm kind of glad that they didn't. And, you know, the more time that they spend with each other, then they can have they can have, you know, situations like this. And they do continue this type of stuff. But no, I like the dynamic now. This is this is the beginning, I think. Yeah. Um, of of a beautiful friendship. Because Al was very receptive to it all. Right. And he went along with it. He didn't like, dude, get your arm off me. I don't like you. You know? Right. He, he didn't do anything like that. And it's great. It's what I've been waiting for. And, and to put it more bluntly, the writers have a lot more room with him now, now that he is a regular, and they can use him in basically any capacity that they need. Because Al doesn't have any friends, you know? Um, other than, you know, well, technically he does, but none... Those random are, guys he kind of hangs out with, yeah. Yeah, none that just pop in his house like Jefferson and Marcy do. <laughs> so, Jefferson claims to make love for eight hours i don't do anything for eight hours unless you pay me eight hours eight hours oh god the humanity um it's so obscure but most people will never think of this but what he's referring to he's he's quoting um herbert morrison he it's that's the hindenburg disaster yeah i think most people will Oh really? Oh, okay. Well, most most people. Oh yeah, I was gonna say most 
most people who are old enough to to already be familiar with the show. Like, yeah. um, okay. Uh, I would I would say most people our age would get the reference, but maybe maybe the occasional hardcore Led Zeppelin fan who might look it up after seeing <laughs> ah, it on that album cover, yes. they might know it. But otherwise, yeah, it's going to be mostly people our age and older. Yeah, it was from 1937. Um, the German the passenger. Heisenberg. Good show. <laughs> oh, are you thinking of Breaking Bad? <laughs> um, the <laughs> wait, is that why it blew up? It was a meth lab? <laughs> That's exactly I, why. Oh, is this a conspiracy podcast and I not know it? <laughs> yeah. Welcome, Venom. Take a seat. I like it. And, and, and I not know it. <laughs> <laughs> the Hindenburg, uh, it was an airship that the meth lab blew up and 36 fatalities. <laughs> and they were the lucky ones. It's a terrific place, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now, and the famous crashing to the ground. Not quite to the boring man. All the humanity and all the fans just screaming around I don't. It was because they didn't have a ticket. <laughs> Your ticket, sir. And that, was, and that was a really obscure, really obscure Indiana Jones reference that I don't even know. So obscure, I didn't even get it. No, I know, I know the ticket thing. Oh, yay! That was, um, yeah, yeah, when they were in Germany. Yeah. yeah. Jay, Jay and Silent Bob also did it in one of their movies. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I must prepare myself. What are you going to do, some wind sprints? No, no, I'm going to the magazine stand, get a copy of Biggins. And a- <laughs> So, uh, now doesn't he have a wheelbarrow full of, uh, porno mags already? I mean, does it really have to go to a, 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 a booth or something or wherever, you know, like the stands in, in, uh, Chicago to buy new biggins? Well, he for an eight hour session, he needs something fresh. Right. Uh, it's maybe he picked them up in uh, sweat bucket, Florida. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. No, but when he turned to a certain page, you could tell he was like, yep. This is the one. And then he was ready to go. Like, yep. that's what he was waiting for the whole time. Sweat bucket, dump water. Dump water. Yeah, they just, they really love Florida on this show. Right? Don't we all? Yeah. yeah. Well, not to get too into, like, the darker side of life, but it is interesting that Al does not want to, he's not a repeat porn kind of viewer, I guess. But it's weird, because I always thought I was interesting, because... Back in the day when that's, like, all you had and you had to subscribe to Playboy and stuff, it's like, well, how many times are you going to look at this girl naked? A lot. Yeah? As an adult, I don't know. As a teenager, absolutely. freaking loop they, they become, like, your favorite chicks, right? And you're like, exactly. Yup. It's like, oh, I'm going right to page 47. I already know what's there. <laughs> uh, tonight, Paula, it's just going to be me and you. <laughs> I think I already mentioned, maybe I did on the Playboy episode, when the, the Christy Swanson spread, hmm. which I think is the, to she me, what? the, uh, <laughs> what? Uh, her, her the, the all-time Hottest. sexiest, yes, I absolutely okay. do. So anyone out there is a Christy Swanson fan, check it out. It's it's yeah. gorgeous. But I can see one like that just being classic and, and, and just, just revisited, yeah. people going back to it and back Absolutely. to it and back to it, you know. I don't have a dog in that fight, but I can say that... <laughs> you don't have your favorite guy? What about Mark Wood? The guy with no soul. Uh, I... <laughs> right, Dan? <laughs> exactly. 
Go on YouTube and look at Mark Wood's apartment. <laughs> the, the the soulless porn star who has nothing on okay. the walls. Actually, I welcome do have... to our home. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> I do have favorite porn stars, but not like from magazines. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Go away. <laughs> so, Bud, what about my idea of getting rid of Mom and Dad? Kel, I think dropping a safe on them would kill him. <laughs> never killed Daffy or Elmer <laughs> or, or that dog that's always after the Roadrunner. Now, that seems like a pretty good idea, but where do you get a safe that big? <laughs> From the dog that chases the Roadrunner. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> the dog. His name, his, the name of him is in his name. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Wiley Coyote. Oh, he's a dog, though. Oh, Do we really expect Kelly to remember full names of cartoon characters, though? <laughs> yeah, she can't remember his last name. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> now let me think. Let's see, it's their anniversary. Wish we had enough money to send them on a vacation. Well, why don't we send them on one of these free vacations? You moron, these aren't free vacations. These are time-sharing deals. They're total scams. I mean, they get you down there, they try to make you buy land, they don't leave you alone for two solid days. It's torture, it's hell. It's perfect. I question why Bud knows so much about timeshares. I mean, he was like an expert spouting it all off. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I didn't know that much at that age. Wasn't that what Jefferson was doing down by the lake back in the day? Oh, right. <laughs> um, he, was, he was selling uh, retirement... Oh, property, okay. yeah, around the lake, I guess. <laughs> and by the way, you want to hear the weirdest thing? My lake is condemned right now. Yikes! I live uh, around a famous lake in New Jersey. I think it's the biggest one in Jersey. It's called Lake Hopacon, and and you're not allowed to go in it anymore. <laughs> Why? Because uh, the all this, the dead bodies. Oh, well, it's funny you say that. Someone died in it a month ago. Ooh. Yeah, it's, as soon as like spring started, somebody drowned and died, and uh, but that's not why though. Believe it or not, and his name was not Jason, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's because of this algae thing. Like, there's some kind of weird thing, like algae breakout or something, or the levels or whatever. I don't know, but no one's allowed in it. And they say that if you swim in my lake now, you get rashes all over your body, and if you accidentally ingest the water. Swamp thing. You basically pee out of your butt. Yeah, I. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. I'm coming Isn't to New Jersey. Yeah, why don't you come over? We'll go in the lake. Can't wait to pee out of my butt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing about that. Like, you can't really swim in small lakes that don't have a lot of running or uh, moving water. Right. Because of uh, what, what's it called? Like Giardia or something like that? It's some kind of bacteria that's set at the bottom of the lake. Not Garnaria. <laughs> Garnaria. No, Giardia, you're right. You can also get it from, um, like a friend of mine got Giardia from, she was at a horse show and drank out of the hose, uh, drank oh. out of a, <laughs> that had been on the Why ground. Why would you do that? Because there was no exhaust pipes around. She Why would you think- do that? <laughs> What's <laughs> <just> doing? <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. 
<laughs> drink out of the hose. Well, because, I don't know, did your mom never had, tell you to drink out of the hose when you were playing outside? Not at a horse show. Oh, well, yeah. Dan, Dan's not as young as we are. He didn't grow up in the 70s. <laughs> I didn't live, so I drink out of a hose at a horse show. I grew up in the 80s, and I didn't drink out of a hose in a horse show. <laughs> I, I drank out of one in my house. Yeah, Stand yeah. Backyard, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's Wet Bucket, Florida, not Dump Water, Florida, we're in this time. And I love how as soon as uh, they say it's hell, it's going to be torture, they flip it and it's them there coming in. It's like, oh, that's that comedic editing effect that me and you talked about, Dan? Yes, yes. It's just great again. It is. <laughs> it is indeed. It's kind of romantic, huh? You ain't seen nothing yet. So they kiss, and it's this whole thing, and her leg goes up. You know that whole girl thing when they like what they're doing with the kissing? Their leg goes up, like in a movie. Well, I guess that's it. Happy anniversary, baby. Bellboy! No, 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 Al. All right, well, where's the bellboy? He wants to leave as if he's going to get out of this. Amazing. (laughs) So here's where uh, the joke we referenced earlier in the intros. Peg basically revealed that Al's penis is only four inches long. <laughs> I want the whole enchilada. You know, the whole four yards. That's nine yards, Peg. Do you really want me to get out the ruler, Al? <laughs> like, right? Because he, he says the whole nine yards, she says four. Four. Obviously, nothing is going to be yards here. And then he goes, uh, you know, and I go back and forth. And, he goes, and she goes, you want me to get out the ruler? So she's telling us this. Mm-hmm. So you have to get that out of your head now. Right. Good luck. Are you done? Godspeed. <laughs> so now we know that. Because, listen, everyone's very interested in what he makes an hour or what he makes a week. Some, ac- some people actually believe that Al makes $6 a week. You think he uses that shoe sizer to? Wouldn't you? Don't uh, tell I me. That was gonna say. Don't tell me you wouldn't. <laughs> right at the mall. Yeah. Footlocker. And he wasn't even working there. He just walked in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not even holding his head in his hands like Al does. He's just walks. <laughs> now let's get to it. Oh, all right. Go lay down. I have to prepare myself. <laughs> Al goes into his briefcase and pulls out all of his copies of Biggins and Playboy and all the good stuff. He starts doing the dad dance. Oh, stop. You always gotta point that out, Jamie. Well, cuz. People are gonna think he's not cool if you keep saying that. Uh, it's not. <laughs> he thinks he's cool, that's the point. <laughs> Maybe it was cool to do the dad dance in the 90s. Uh, no. No? Uh, listen, I'm reaching here. Now, this is legendary. Al has played that music when he was getting ready for that cookout with Marcy's Ashes. They played that music. And I think he had a briefcase there, too. And they played that music when he was, uh, he was loading, he's put all the tacos and enchiladas out on the table so he could ex- blow up that bathroom. That peg redecorated. And uh, now he's doing it for this. And this is amazing. Uh, Didn't they play it when he was driving the Mustang, too? 
Oh, I think so, yeah. After they had rebuilt the Mustang and they were driving it, I thought... I felt it was... Dun, 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 cruising down the oh, highway. Oh, yeah, dun, get, your motor, dun, dun. get your motor running, yeah. Yeah. So here, it's great. He Born to be wild. <laughs> I was just Stepping wolf. I knew the I knew the answer. I was just waiting for one of you to just yell it. <laughs> I was like, who's gonna get it? I yep. had to get to the chorus because <laughs> I heard you it in the background, Jamie. I'm like, she's gonna get it. <laughs> so Al just keeps scoping out hot chicks in Biggins. There's a Playboy if you look closely in there. This and that. Oh. Yeah. So. Peg's thrilled about this. They cut to Peg, and she's thrilled to look at this. Like, most chicks would be pissed if their guy I looked at it in general. Like, she's completely okay with this. And it's it's total desperation at that point. Like, if you're okay, like, just imagine today. I don't want to get too graphic. Let's just say, like, well, Jamie, you're married, right? I yeah. Sorry, you're going to be the victim here because you're the you're the only peg reference I have. I, I'm used to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's only years. been six years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's just say that you told Brian, yeah, listen, I I would like to uh, fool around tonight, mm-hmm. and he goes, okay, well, when? And you were like, right now, seriously. And he was like, okay, hold on. <laughs> and he went and went on Pornhub or something, and he just kept looking, and you're just laying in bed, and you're looking at him, he's looking at that, then he's looking at you, and you're looking at him. Would you think that that's completely inappropriate? <laughs> it's not just inappropriate, it's just what wife would be happy with that. <laughs> I mean, to, to, to have to, basically what the man is saying is you're not attractive enough for me to get an erection, so hold on a sec while I look at these professional naked women. <laughs> You know, it's almost like having a fluffer. <laughs> it makes sense. It's like this is the woman you married. You basically said, you know, you're going to I'm going to be attracted to you my whole life and it's only what 20 years later? Jesus. I was looking at pieces of paper to to be able to do this. Like just think At about least he didn't tack it over the headboard, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice reference. Yeah, and like with the Pornhub reference, it's like at least he didn't like make her stop and pop in a videotape or something. That might, I mean, I don't know. That might be a little bit more acceptable because then there's something there for the ladies. They can both watch, right? Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. He's just looking at girls standing there. Exactly. I was trying to figure out, and honestly, yeah, that would be weird, but it wouldn't happen. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, and I don't mean like I wouldn't allow it to happen. I just mean it wouldn't be necessary. But um, oh. The, the um, I was trying to figure out if she was like just okay with him doing it, or if she was completely oblivious because I couldn't I couldn't tell if she was knew what he was doing. I mean, obviously she would, or if but if they were using that whole like um, soap opera, we're in the same room, but you can't right. hear what I'm saying for whatever reason, yeah. logic, you know. So like, even though he's three feet away. Like, if we were supposed to believe that she couldn't see what he was doing? I can't imagine that's the case. I I, I think it's just she she wants sex so bad that she's willing <laughs> to let him do whatever he has to do to get it to happen. I mean, I, I, it's an odd scenario, I understand. And I'm pretty sure 99.9% of married women out there would not accept that as a precursor to sex. <laughs> but... I think, like I said, you know, we've spent the last six years with this family. It's already been established that Peg wants to bone 
uh, Al all the time. So I, I think at this point she's just willing to accept it to just let him look at the boobs and it, it's a it's terrible. But I mean, it's the only justification that makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> Let's jam. <laughs> me i'm just setting up here <laughs> hi stan mendelson call me captain scooter i just want to extend an official welcome to hurricane hole soon to be sunny florida's finest resort community let me get that lizard there for you my favorite character actor ever Ooh, <laughs> i love him well this is fred willard right that's sir now fred willard is probably a lot of people's favorite. You know why? He has to be, just by the odds. He was in 310 <laughs> different things, movie and television. Yeah. Uh, he's best known for Best in Show, Anchorman, The Legend, <laughs> Youth in Revolt, which is, is weird because these are all past 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 2008's E. Oh, see, for me, I'll I'll always remember him in Salem's Lot. Right. Oh, uh, yes. that great death scene and those spectacular, um, what do you call it, sparkly red boxers that he wore. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll add into the mix Idle Hands as well. Yes, yes. Uh, definitely not his greatest performance. I no. think that goes to uh, the famous, the wonderful uh, Red Man and Method Man. How high? Uh, I think I think that's his. Funniest performance ever, and I'm not even joking. Like, Fred Willard is the man. Like, he can do no wrong. He's in the American Pie movies, too. Like, he just, he's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I love yep. him from all the Christopher Guest movies, you know, Spinal yes. Tap, Best yep. in Show. Best in uh, Show. A Mighty, yeah. a Mighty Wind, he is absolutely hysterical. And I just, I, I just like Dan said, he can do no wrong. I mean, if, if any other character actor is even going to come close to Fred Willard in my book, it's going to be Dick Miller. And Dick Miller doesn't have the credits that Fred Willard has. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the variety of stuff that Fred Willard did, I mean, horror or comedy, I, if he's done a drama, I don't know of it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, a lot of different genre fans know who he is from just the different stuff that he's done. So, yeah, he's pro- he's prolific. I mean, he earns the title of prolific. So, yeah, uh, he's my fave, bar none. And he was born in 1939, but people will be happy to hear he's still alive today. Absolutely. And he's still working. Oh, still working. It's really amazing. Scrolling through, I just couldn't believe how much I had to keep rolling my finger on that thing. I was like, what the hell? So, you busy? Not really. Excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but this is kind of our vacation. Mm, how pathetic is that? But you got your job to do and I got mine, right? So... This is an artist's conception of what Hurricane Hall will look like when it's finished. Sometime in the year 3000. <laughs> but let's talk luxury. Let's talk condos. Hey, I see you got a copy of Biggins there. I had a letter in the last issue. But you know, if you really want to see some Biggins, take a look at this house. Damn kids. I think they tricked us. We're here in this sweltering hell, and they're having the wildest time of their lives back home. 
Yeah. From what I know from the only couple of people that I know that have actually been on those types of vacations, usually they'll have multiple couples at once and they won't actually go to your room. They'll actually ask you to come to like a conference room or something and they'll speak to a bunch of you at once. Uh, they'll give you a really fancy lunch. Like they'll they'll serve you like surf and turf or something real expensive mm. just to kind of get you to kind of loosen you up a little bit and maybe get you to spend some money. But yeah, I mean, as far as actually like violating someone's uh, privacy in their <laughs> room, I, I can't imagine that happens. But who knows? Yeah, this is an exaggerate, exaggerated version of what really happens. Mm-hmm. But they left the door open. That's true. It's their own fault. <laughs> a wide open. While they were gonna yeah. make love. Well, I mean, if Al can only go 10 seconds, then the, the likelihood that somebody's gonna walk by in those 10 seconds is slim to none. Pretty low. <laughs> Pretty safe. <laughs> so, he's selling this plot called Her- Hurricane Hole. <laughs> that sounds great, right? <laughs> Uh, it'll be ready in the year 3000, almost like Lake Chickamacomico, or wait, what was that, like, by the year 2 million or something? Some st- oh, right, for the, for Jefferson's one, I think? Right? Yeah, that was, yeah, I don't know what the hell year that was. <laughs> what is the suit this guy's wearing? He looks like a broken TV from, like, the 60s. Oh, God, I love his style so much. <laughs> he pretty He's much like- has the same style in everything he Yes. Exactly. He's got the, the um, how can you put it, the, the kind of cool older uncle look to him the, who plays golf. Because <laughs> a lot of, I mean, Fred Willard in a lot of movies wears like checkers and pleated mm-hmm. stripes and things like that. So he always looks like he's ready for the golf course for me. Dan, do you want us to redraw your uh, guy in our banner with these clothes on? Please do. <laughs> yeah? Okay. I'll get right on that. Where's Josh James? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that is atrocious. Maybe we should have him as the extra guy in our uh, nudie bar banner. <laughs> and he's trying to sell us something while we're doing the show. How about that, Chicago? Ten feet of snow and the city's at a standstill. I bet the only place that's hot is the party at Bud Bundy's house, where anthrax is rocking the roof off. They must be having one great time. <laughs> Oh. Well, that's guest number 50 that snowed in and can't make it. I guess it means more anthrax for us. <laughs> let's get there early, you said. For once, let's be responsible, you said. That dog won't take a whiz on my guitar, you said. <laughs> I'm not so sure it was the dog, Mr. Two Six Packs of Malt Liquor. The kids and anthrax are snowed in. I, I guess this is their way of selling this preposterous idea, but he was like show up early you said be professional you said so what are you trying to say how early do you have to show up to the point where 10 feet of snow can accumulate yeah (laughs) and you still got in here yeah impossibility (laughs) right how long does it take to get 10 feet of snow to build up no matter what Uh, What on top of the fact that I mean, since Chicago gets so much snow, their meteorologists out there are usually pretty good at predicting (laughs) stuff. So it's like even before it started snowing, they would have known that a storm was coming and anthrax would have never gone. So, yeah, it's it's odd. (laughs) Maybe they showed up when there was only seven feet of snow. and That's how they got in. (laughs) Super tour buses with chains on the tire. (laughs) Yeah, like Rocky (laughs) Four. So... And I love how they're in there wearing T-shirts. Like, no one is dressed for this except for Marcy. It's so funny. 
<laughs> well, she came in from outside. I'm sure they have heat. Yeah, right. but it's like, I just still feel like they should have looked winterized. I don't know. Just to sell this whole idea. But yeah, you know what? I'm just being... Winterized. A- <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is on the radio uh, when Ed Hall says, I bet the only place that's hot is the party at the Bundy house. <laughs> How funny was that? And then they're panning across and looking at everybody, and they're all bored. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's just so great. It's so sarcastic. That's that's why I love The Simpsons, because it's so sarcastic. And now that that we're at this point, Jerry, why don't you tell us how Anthrax even got on this show? And there is a little Simpsons reference in there. Oh, absolutely. Um, from what I understand from a video that I saw on YouTube, um, Scott Ian uh, conveyed the story that uh, all the members of Anthrax were huge Simpsons fans. And at the time, uh, in the early in the early 90s, they were on Megaforce Records. Uh, their representation from Megaforce Records had a connection with Fox producers. So this person would call Fox almost on a weekly basis, just like letting them know, hey, Anthrax loves The Simpsons. If you ever need a metal band for a gag or something, they'll absolutely do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they went, they did this for probably a couple of years, trying to get the band uh, to do a voice on The Simpsons. And then one day they get a phone call from a producer at Fox. When they hear this on the phone, of course, they get excited because they think, oh, cool, finally The Simpsons are going to put us on. But as it turns out, it's a producer from Married with Children. And they... <laughs> They basically let them know, you know, we have we have we, we have a need for a heavy metal band for, you know, um, for a, a story for one of our episodes. And as it turns out, they were also fans of Married with Children. They absolutely loved the show. Half the guys in the band were in love with Kelly. So, yeah, they jumped at the opportunity. And yeah, so basically from just a love of The Simpsons and pestering Fox producers, they got their way on Married with Children. Exactly. <laughs> They're such big fans that um, they took like a – I don't know if it was like a promo picture or what, but like back in even uh, like 89 or 90 or something, Anthrax took a picture like of the whole band together and I think uh, Scott Ian had a Mare with Children shirt on. <laughs> so they actually were big fans and I love how Dan laughed when <laughs> – when you said, you know, they were trying to get out of The Simpsons and they said, no, but this is Married Children. Because <laughs> I had the same reaction. I thought that's funny, too, because it's like, oh, oh, them. Yeah, sure. But no, uh, this, you know, to, it's funny because to me and this guy on Anthrax, I guess, um, Married Children and The Simpsons are pretty equal to me. I actually wouldn't even say I like Married Children more. Yeah, they and for whatever they kind of go hand in hand when I, you know, I I will I will fully admit I'm a Simpsons apologist. The Simpsons is probably in my top three favorite TV shows of all time. Yeah, me too. I still I still watch it to this day. Um. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys are still watching The Simpsons, but did anyone, if anybody's still watching the new episodes, on a very re- a very recent episode, uh, the episode started with um, Homer singing "Love and Marriage." Oh, yeah, actually- yeah, yeah. Dan sent that to me. Oh, okay, yeah, and he actually changed the words so that yeah, he was actually talking about the <laughs> actors on the show. I thought that was brilliant. That was great. I love oh. that. Love and marriage, love and marriage, 
was the song from that show with Al Bundy. Now he's on Modern Family. And the neighbor guy was Ted McGinley. Do, 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 do. Happy anniversary, Mr. Romance. <laughs> and of course, the bizarre coincidences don't end with our shows that we do, because... When Homer sang that song, that was on Homer and Marge's anniversary, which Marge just said, happy anniversary. So, And we're reviewing the episode of Al and Peg's anniversary, and we bring this up. So it's like these bizarre coincidences will never end, and I can never explain them. I love, I love too, by having Anthrax on, though, um, how the show kind of... Uh, it shows you how big they really were at the time. And Anthrax was big at the time, too. And you think back to, uh, you know, the episode with Kelly being in the music video, like with that no-named band. Oh, the Gutter Cats? Yeah, like that's kind of a reflection of the show at that time as opposed to now right. where they can get like a big band and make a spectacle out of it as well, which I don't think they always could have done sure. um, back in the day. You know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Kelly still in high school at this point? No. <laughs> oh, okay, she's not. All right. Because I was, I was, I was always surprised that they didn't have some kind of gag where, like, the guys in the band look at Kelly and they kind of look her up and down and maybe make like a reference to like groupies that they've seen that they've known in the past or something. I, I thought right. it was a, an easy joke that they kind of just let go. Yeah, they didn't even seem to pay any attention to her, which, really? was, which Shocking. was weird. I mean, she's the only – you got five heavy metal musicians. I don't believe any of them were ma- – oh, Dan might have been married at the time, but most of them were not married. And not a one of them even makes reference to the only attractive woman in the place. That 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 was odd to me. Being a metal musician, it seemed odd. <laughs> well, there there was a much deeper joke, no pun intended, that was supposed to be made here. I think it was uh, Scott Ian. He was supposed to grab Kelly's hand and go up the stairs with her. Other way around. Kelly was going to grab Scott Ian's hand and pull him up to her room. Oh, okay. Well, that's even yeah. worse. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So they were going to go hand in hand upstairs and imply they were going to have sex. And when he went to, I think that was like uh, the first script he was given. And he was telling everybody, oh, my God, can you believe this is like a dream come true in this weird fantasy TV land? You know, I'm going to officially have sex with Kelly Bundy in this world, in this universe. And he was so excited about that because that's like all of our dreams, you know, growing up. So uh, he was all down and, and all of a sudden they come back for a table read. I think the next day or something. I don't know because it that that those scripts change so much throughout the week. It's actually right. astonishing yeah. that the main cast could even remember their lines. Mm. It's amazing. Um, he said that by the second day it was gone, just gone. And he went to a producer and he's like, "Hey, what happened to my uh, what happened to my whole thing with with going upstairs at Kelly?" They're like, "Oh." Yeah, Christina Applegate asked us to, like, nix that out. She said, listen, my character's a slut, but she's not that much of a slut. Oh. Which really, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me because if 
I, I understand that Christina Applegate has made the statement that she believes Kelly was a virgin. I call total BS on that, but that's a whole other story. But the thing is, is that you look at some of the men, the, the absolute nobodies that she's gone home with. Yeah. And you're and you're telling me that you, you wouldn't that Kelly Bundy wouldn't want to have sex with a member of Anthrax. That that seems I don't know. That seems out of character or in Plus, character. you know, really, just because you go upstairs with someone, it doesn't mean you're going to have to have sex with them. They could just exactly. be going upstairs to make out. I mean, which she does all the time. Right. But if you remember when she went upstairs with Jake, do you remember how like we don't really see her go upstairs with guys. So when she went up with Jake, that was the only time we really saw it in action. And did you see how she she kind of like downplays? She goes, let's go upstairs and play strip Nintendo like adults. (laughs) Right. Right. They acted like they're preoccupied with the stupid whatever they're doing instead of just straight sex. And I think in this scenario, that's what was going to happen. And I think that's why she shied away from it. Mm, yeah. Yep. Well, and can I just say, kind of on an unrelated note, too, uh, you know, with Katie Seagal and Sons of Anarchy and uh, Ed O'Neill with uh, Modern Family, I think that Christina Applegate just threw her hat in the ring, so to speak, with them, with her performance on uh, Dead to Me. Oh, my God. She is at the top of her game right now. Like, she's so good. So, like, to see to see back, like, watching these episodes now to what she's doing, like, now, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, she's so she's so talented. It's crazy. I feel so bad for David Faustino. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because he didn't grow or because his career went to hell? <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> oh, he, it must be killing him to watch Dead to Me. He's like, oh, he doesn't have a hit TV show He's right now. He's the only one, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, I think Buck had more success because he died. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like Dead to Me is phenomenal. Like the whole premise is great, and her performance in the last two episodes, oh, mind right. blowing. Yes, Christine, and like eventually, like you know, I watched it because she was in it, but then eventually started saying, "This is my girl, man!" Like this. Just to be, like, actually in sync with her, like, you know, you don't always, like, I'm, I don't watch Modern Family, you know? But I was in love with Son, so I did kind of follow Peg. Right. But this, oh, I'm just, just keep it short. Watch Dead to Me. It's on Netflix. It's like a Netflix original series. Great, great cast, too. The other girl's great. Nate Cyclops, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, the other girl's, uh, if you guys were into the Scooby-Doo movie, she was dead, um... Uh, the nerdy one. Who's the nerdy one? What's her one? name? Velma. Helma? Selma Hayek? Velma. Velma. Oh, life, you got me. Linda Cardellini. Yes, yes. She is so good in it, too. Yep. All of them are. Yeah, it's a really good show. So, guys, let's play a game. I'm going to say uh, my name, and then I'm going to say an animal that starts with the same letter as my name. Ready? A. I mean, uh, Al. Alligator. Dan, bite me. Hey, listen, <laughs> that's rude, man. We're on a show here. Yeah. Way too many words. <laughs> yeah, that was way too many words, too. Yeah, he's right. Well, looks like it's just going to be us. That's okay. We can still have fun together. Right, guys? <laughs> 
Here's a little game I know that can break the ice at any party. We say our first names and then the name of an animal that begins with the same letter. I'll go first. Bud. Bear. Go on. Dan, bite me. Now, right off, Dan, that's that's too many words. Yeah, Bud's game, like, that just solidifies that you're still not cool, dude. Right. I'm sorry. Like, you have anthrax there, and that's what you say to break the ice? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Bud is, Bud is an anomaly, man. Uh, I don't I don't understand how someone stays that uncool for that long. <laughs> I mean, because it's not like he's fat. It's not like he wears glasses. It's not like he's ugly. He's just a nerd. He's just you know a, a you know he he has no social skills. I guess is the best way to put it. And it, I, I don't understand how someone can go eleven years like that. <laughs> I mean, because he's had women. We know this. We, he's had very attractive women. Mm-hmm. How is he still this nerdy kid? It just, I don't know. It boggles my mind sometimes. Yeah. How's that come out of you? I don't get it. Uh-huh. So Marcy shovels her way into the Bundy house. That's kind of funny. you have some killers over. Very nice. I'm Marcy. Nice to meet you, sir. I am a woman. Yeah, right. And he's a rap star. She's a genius. And we're glad to be here. That's that's Awesome. So good. Love those that. jokes, those androgynous jokes will never get old. When it comes <laughs> right. to- nope. <laughs> Let's get that little guy's shovel and dig her way out. <laughs> I'll give her credit, though. I can't believe that she actually dug that entire tunnel just to check up on Kelly and Bud. It seems right. like something that, she, you know, she would just be like, ah, they're fine. Right. <laughs> she could just call. No, it's okay. Let's dig a 140 foot tunnel to their house under 10 feet of snow. Like, think of the logistics of that. Like, she wouldn't have gotten caved in and died. Like, <laughs> like where is she throwing the snow? Behind? Like, it's always just behind her. You know, it's just uh, crazy. So, she goes, no, I- I'm a woman. And he goes, yeah. And he's a rap star. She's a genius. And we're glad to be here. <laughs> I gotta say, a lot of the lines that were written for Anthrax were great. There were there yeah. were a couple of flubs that, you know, didn't hit. But for the majority of them, I thought were great. Right. I think some of it was their delivery because, honestly, some of them didn't seem as... And it could yeah. just be that they're not actors. But they yeah. just... Either they weren't all that enthusiastic about it or they're just not very good actors. Well, anyway, your mother and father asked me to look in on you while they were out of town. Just to make sure everything's on the up and up, shall we say. They're famous musicians. We won them in a contest. (laughs) Musicians, eh? Well, I don't want you to think I'm unhap. I chase the monkeys like everyone else. Yeah, I bet they were running like hell. (laughs) Well, I like Peter. He was the shy one. Which one of you is the shy one? Not me. Uh, I wear the hat. Hey, let's get this little guy's shovel and dig a tunnel out of here. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, but uh, you're going nowhere. 
according to this contract, you owe us a song first. Hey, it's supposed to be dinner with anthrax. Dinner. I play nothing till I eat. <laughs> In case you're wondering, I'm the hungry one. Yeah, like Joey Belladonna's I'm the hungry one line totally right. fell flat for me. Oh, yeah, it was not... No, it wasn't it, funny. It wasn't delivered well. I don't even know. I can't believe he agreed to even say it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even make sense, really. Yeah, everybody, in the, everybody else had great lines. Dan, Scott, Frank, Charlie, they all had great individual lines. And then that's what they give to Joey. Ah, I felt so bad. <laughs> but he's oh. like, you know, you. Uh, he's like, in case you were wondering, I'm the hungry. Well, no, she wasn't wondering. No, it, no one was wondering that. <laughs> How come your line's funnier than his? And like professional people <laughs> wrote it. <laughs> okay, so you're gonna hate me, Jerry, but like, Uh-oh. what is with some of these dudes' hair, man? Like, these dudes have bangs like Jamie. Yeah, man, bangs in the 80s. Uh, wow. they were- How? How? Was it cool? I don't get it. I have no idea. I never had them myself, thank God. But I, I will still say I had many a uh, undesirable haircut in the 80s. Yes, I did have a mullet, but that's beside the point. No, um, that's not beside the point. You had a mullet? <laughs> I had an epic mullet. My mullet almost went down to my waist. I now absolutely. I'm not going to air that. I'm going to cut you out of this show unless you show us pictures of this. <laughs> I'll try to. I got to hit up my mother because there's no way I have any. But yeah, if she does, I'll happily share them. I love. I love sharing my embarrassing uh, childhood. Wow. Oh, I love it just as much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I showed the picture of me with my blonde hair in 2007. So you have to. You mean oh, you mean your frosted tips? No, I, I said it cooler, Jamie. Why do you have to go back to the frosted <laughs> tips thing? But it ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. I looked like Zach Morris. Oh. Except for my face and my body and my coolness. <laughs> my bank account. <laughs> Pretty much everything but my hair. Your phone was a little smaller. <laughs> So, yeah, hair in the 80s, what can I say? But, Jamie, I wanted to ask you a question. Did you notice that when when Marcy was frisking Frank Bello, did you notice the shirt he was wearing? It was a Rip Magazine shirt. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. Please tell me that you read Rip Magazine in the 80s and 90s. Because I know Uh, I did. I did not. (gasps) I remember remember when Rip like Rip Magazine, like the writing wasn't as good as something like Kerrang or or um, some of the other ones coming out of Europe. It, but it wasn't necessarily the writing that made it cool. It was one of the first heavy metal magazines that used like a high premium paper stock, uh, full color pictures beginning to end. And usually uh, there would be like a fold out poster in the middle, too. And I know Kerrang did that as well. But I mean, like all those other things combined made Rip you know, Rip, it wasn't a great read by any stretch, but it was awesome to just hold it in your hands and look at the pictures. And it, it actually blew up. Like, I remember the very first episode or excuse me, the very first issue came out and Dokken was on the cover and that magazine blew Rockin up. Yeah. And I, I I didn't think that a magazine could blow up that much, especially with, you know, some of the older, more established magazines that were already out there. But, yeah, Rip Magazine was like the metal magazine in the 80s. I loved it. So, yeah, when I saw oh, Frank no. wearing that shirt, uh, I knew I, I knew what it was. I saw when I saw the shirt and I did see. Yeah, but I never did. Brian, uh, did you ever read Rip Magazine? Yeah. 
Me and me and Brian, man, great minds. <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> she was like, "See, nobody read it." Oh, wait, you did. No, I actually <laughs> expected him to say yes because he was. He's, he's, he's been, more prolific of a reader. Yeah. Well, he's more diehard metal. Like he, that's his whole life. So. <laughs> that's pretty much how he talks. <laughs> he talks. He talks in. He talks in metal. He doesn't even like <laughs> enunciate. So <laughs> now. Uh, I was, you know, I was wondering why it's called Dinner with Anthrax when it should be like House Party with Anthrax, but I think they slipped that in really because these guys, uh, they play nothing until they eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's go over to the fridge and see what we got to eat. <laughs> hey, do you guys do I'm a Believer? Because Mickey used to really rock out on that one. <laughs> oh, Wow. Desolation. It's not totally empty. There's a chia pet in there. Uh, That's not a chia pet. Uh, That was a meatloaf. uh, There's always mom's aluminum foil wrapped mystery pack. (laughs) Yo, man, I am starving. Oh, wow. They're going to eat the mystery pack. Even dad won't eat the mystery pack. These guys are cool. Mom's Mystery Pack. This is legendary now. It now, is. I was trying to explain that to Brian when we were watching the episode. Now, Jamie, do you remember when we mentioned this earlier? We actually talked about the Mystery Pack in Season 4. Yeah, in um, A Taxing Problem. That's right. In A Taxing Problem, they actually mentioned Peg's Mystery Pack. And I said then... That we're going to get to something like this. And here we are. And if you are eagle eye enough, you will catch it in the refrigerator periodically. Oh, yeah. Just anyway, like but in other episodes. Tinfoil. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I still sometimes wrap things in tinfoil if it's called for. But uh, oh, yeah. normally it's all about the cellophane, you know, the, the clear. Saran wrap. Yes. So you know what's ac- what you're actually eating. You know, mm-hmm. or what you're actually opening, at least. You know, because it is, it is mystery. I mean, it's a mystery pack anytime you open something that's wrapped in yeah. tinfoil. <laughs> yeah. I, what I want to know is what kind of food, when it goes bad, turns green and foamy? Because it looked like they were eating, like, green... Al's tooth? Al's <laughs> Al's tooth, yes. They're eating Al's... T- grinded Al's tooth with... But, I mean, that the mystery pack was food at one point. I want to know what food that was. And, <laughs> be so yeah, curious. what comes out of the refrigerator but is hot. <laughs> and it moves and it bites you. <laughs> it bites Mine bit me. <laughs> that was great. Wow, the colors. <laughs> the colors. Is your hunk moving? <laughs> oh, it's biting me. Yo, if it came out of the fridge, why is it hot? <laughs> I see 50 people now. Let's jam. Ooh, the colors. <laughs> yeah, it goes, ooh, the colors. Like, it literally gets you. It's like LSD. Hmm? Nobody will eat it. Nobody. And, and, and look, look what house we're talking about. Mm-hmm. These people eat out of mouse traps. You know what's funny, though, is mold will do that. Certain types of mold, at least, anyway, will make you hallucinate. Um, oh, Lord, now there are going to be people out there trying to 
get high off mold, but it <laughs> don't don't do that. But I did actually have it. I did actually have a dog get into the garbage one time and ate some moldy food, and we couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. But she was tripping out, like she was <laughs> freaking out. She kept like. I don't know. She was terrified of everything. She kept looking like she was all paranoid. And you could tell that she was hallucinating. You could tell she was seeing stuff that wasn't there just by the way she was acting. And I couldn't figure out for the longest time what was wrong with her. I was starting to panic. And then I realized that she had gotten into the garbage and she ate some moldy food. She eventually calmed down. But like it it was wild because whatever it was just was messing with her hardcore Whoa, 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 Dan, Dan, stop. Wait, guys, Dan's trying to eat our mystery pack in the nudie bar. What? <laughs> oh, man, I wouldn't eat anything in the nudie bar. Dude, stop. <laughs> oh, God. It looks like he's... Hol- Where is he going? <laughs> Hopefully to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, Dan, the mic's over here. Hello? Uh, Dan just left. I don't... Why do you eat that? I don't know. Uh, okay. So, uh, he's gone. <laughs> well, I guess we're not going to hear from him anymore. <laughs> yeah, don't eat the mystery back, guys. It happens in real life, too. You see colors, you go running, I don't know, it's hot, it's biting you. Well, anyway, so, uh, they then start playing the song that we use to kickstart us talking on every podcast since we started doing it. Like I said earlier, I think it was like season three. I think I maybe start putting that in. And once, like, you know, except for Dan, like, Jamie and I are big fans of Anthrax, so we knew we had to use this in the show somehow. And it's just perfect, and it really is a great kickstart. Like, Jerry, when you, like, when you hear it now, isn't it, like, just so supposed to be there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't... Honestly, I can't really hear any other Anthrax song there, especially because Joey Belladonna's lyrics usually start a lot earlier. Um, This particular song called In My World actually has a nice, long, instrumental opening, so it works. But he says that, and then all of a sudden it's... And it just keeps going. And I knew that, okay, this is great for an instrumental opening to kickstart the show and get everybody excited. So that's what we did. And it's and we will do it to the last day. <laughs> I love it. Yep, it's great. So Kelly and Bud are headbanging. They look awesome doing that. It looks like a lot of fun. It, this is just a crazy house party with this song. I guess they only got this one song, but God... They sure made the most of it by the time you see the house later on. But, you know, during this whole scene, they are, like, drinking. They're, they're, like, pouring alcohol and smashing the bottles on their heads. They're smashing lamps with their guitars. They're smashing bottles on speakers. They're sm- they're stomping chairs flat. <laughs> they're smashing trophies. And even Marcy gets in on the act, and she's like smashing Al's bowling trophies and stuff or, or football trophies and uh, ripping pillows and and then even Kelly starts like jamming on this dude's guitar which is great that was just so cool 
it was done perfectly, you know? Like, not every line landed. Not everybody is a great actor on Anthrax and stuff like that. A couple lines seemed forced and awkward and stuff like that because they just – that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. But in the big picture, it was just – it couldn't have been better. Like, especially, like, when they started playing the music and trashing the house, it's kind of everything you want out of rock and heavy metal and married with children. Blending the two. Like, when you marry those two things and you make them into one episode, this is what I really, this is all I want. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. What really sells it is that, you know, we're sentimental about the Bundys and their house and stuff like that, but at the same time, when they're destroying their house, you just don't care. It fits. Well, no, because it's going to be fine the next episode. Yep. Right. So, like, I guess, maybe that's just in the back of my mind, but, like, you don't care, you know, at all. And, like, I, I'm not even sure if any of those lamps or anything were there ever before. Like, that one that the dude smashed off the island in oh, their kitchen? Yeah. Was yeah. that Was that ever there? I don't really... I don't recall seeing it before, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't remember those those two statues that Marcy smashes. I don't remember seeing those because Al puts his feet up on that coffee table all the time, and you'd think we would have noticed it. Yeah, yeah, and like everything on that where where he smashed first, and then Marcy picked the re- that one trophy up and smashed it on the ground. I don't really remember all that there. So yeah, I guess it's expendable. You know, it's like whatever. <laughs> So if that was Al's uh, trophy from back in whatever, 66 or whatever year it was, uh, he's going to be extremely pissed off. <laughs> yeah, well, by his reaction, I'm going to say that it must not have been. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that, though. Now, look, it's our anniversary. You can at least have the decency to step outside and give us three seconds to have sex. Ah, not until I played my trump card. Folks, if you buy here in Hurricane Hole... Your celebrity neighbor will be, yes, Ed Kooky Burns. Have a comb, fans. It's former teen idol and star of 77 Sunset Strip, Ed Kooky Burns. Oh, man. So this guy, uh, Ed... Kooky. Ed Kooky Burns shows up, and it is one of those really sad and pathetic things where... Where they have to explain who he is. And they play the music, and he hands out combs like anyone cares. You know, <laughs> it, it's the best I could say. Like this, what this? No, this guy had a real career, though. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not like the guy I was about to reference, so I'm not even going to do it now. He has 85 <laughs> credits now. Every most people will remember him from Greece. He he was the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, even though he's clearly famous for all this stuff, but that's where like most people are in, alive today are going to remember him. Um, he was the guy who was like, it's the best on sex with the wax and sex. Blah, blah, blah. And he was like hosting the dance off. Vince Fontaine. Yeah, Vince Fontaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how you remember him. But he's also famous for what they mentioned here. Sun uh, 77 Sunset Strip, Darby's Rangers and Johnny Trouble. <laughs> 
good luck. If you watched all those are 57, 58, and 58. So, yeah. Uh, I've actually seen many episodes of uh, 77 Sunset Strip. Uh, just from, uh, I used to work at a duplication house um, doing post-production audio, mm-hmm. and that series came through for a full restoration uh, one year back in like the late 90s. And so I saw most of the episodes because I was remixing like some of the sound uh, sound effects for oh, it. Oh, wow. But yeah, yeah, uh, it wasn't a terrible show. I mean, it was a little over the top, Hmm. you know, uh, because and it was very elitist because he actually played a rich guy who lived on a houseboat. So it's, you know, it it, it didn't really speak to the the middle class, if you will. So it's probably why it didn't last too long. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, yeah, I can relate to like people starving instead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Living off a shoe salesman's salary. Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, he is still alive today at 85 years old. Mm-hmm. Still handing out combs. <laughs> <laughs> Does he still have the hair to even use the combs? Is the I, question. Don't, I don't know. <laughs> so he, he was. He he's basically the Leave It to Beaver. Uh, remember that cameo in the supermarket episode? So he basically is that. Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a pathetic version of himself. Now. His career ended in his 30s in real life, and he basically became an alcoholic and drug addict. So that was like sort of referenced in this episode, you know, like just a down and out loser who's now doing this kind of thing. But at this point, he's th- he's 45, so he's making some kind of resurgence if he's even here. So I do think that they um, – he actually clearly has a good sense of humor about the whole thing because right. – you know, they were making jokes about him being the only thing they could afford to bring back from Florida, <laughs> right. you know, um, and he was actually going to be their celebrity neighbor living in this dump. You know, it's so clearly he has a good sense of humor about it. Just yep. like Wally or whatever Beaver did, you know, yeah, like Jerry Mathers, Jerry Mathers, <laughs> like just like he did. He had a great sense of humor about it. like these guys are willing to laugh at themselves. And that's great. You know, they know what they they know when it's all over and it's kind of like hanging around. Uh, now you do conventions and you're not a loser anymore. That's the new thing. So, cool. tell the folks why you bought here in Hurricane Hole. You gave me one for free, Stan. Good cook. So what do you say, folks? It's just six dollars down. I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> Come on. Everyone has that kind of money. Even kooky. Well, you see, my husband is a shoe salesman. Uh, Let's go, kook. (laughs) Be out by dawn. No one thinks a shoe... Like, what'd you hear? Oh, he sells shoes. Oh, well, then he can't afford (laughs) timeshare. He can't afford the $6 down payment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. On his way out, Ed stole a copy of Al's Biggins. (laughs) <laughs> um, now Al has to make love to Peg she jumps on him Peg gets a sex point in this episode so they come home and it's like a flip screen and Al's staring at a guitar stuck in the wall he strums it and yells at the kids more so for having fun while he was stuck over there with Peg like he almost didn't care that his entire house was destroyed. Like, he took this really well. Yeah. 
You kids should be ashamed of yourselves. Having a party while I was stuck down in a swamp having sex with your mother. I never want to go back to either place again. Where's my fun? Al, like you, the kids just did their best. I think I think the sex probably left them a little loopy, so. You think? Like, yeah, we have to have some explanation for that. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> right? I suppose, yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> so I guess the the snow melted in hours because there's nothing outside anymore. And didn't he say they have to check out at like a time, meaning it has to be less than twenty? It'd be done before dawn. Right. So mm-hmm. they're already back, and the snow is gone. Yep. Go figure. I have no idea what we're supposed to have been implied here. <laughs> I'm sorry about everything, mom. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Did you get us anything good from Florida? Well, we didn't have much money, so we got the only thing we could afford. It's out on the porch. (laughs) Hey, kids. Hey, uh, as soon as I bring in the rest of your bags, I got a treat for you. Yep. Kooky, kooky, lend me your comb. (laughs) (laughs) Who's he? That's kooky. Your mother said she'd walk and feed him, but you know the first rainy night, who's going to be doing it? So now they brought him back to the house. Why you'd want him there, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you, even if I could afford him, would I want to bring him back? What are you going to do with him, exactly? <laughs> By the way, who are those guys out of the stoop? Oh, that's the band Anthrax. Yeah. They, they ate Mom's mystery pack, so the Environmental Protection Agency quarantined them to our house for six months. <laughs> sounds am I going to have to be listening to for the next half year? Kooky, kooky, let me a Kooky, kooky. I got smog in my noggin. Noggin. Ever since you made the scene. The scene. Baby, you're the ginchiest. Oh. <laughs> that was a cute thing, I think. I liked it, yeah. A great way to end the episode. And it was his one charting hit, too, so it makes sense that Anthrax may be familiar with that song. They, they would be about the right age, because they're probably a little bit older than we are. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I hope so, from the news video I just saw. <laughs> uh, all right, Jamie, how many Anthrax band members are coming to dinner at your house out of five for this episode, My Dinner with Anthrax. I think I'm going to have the entire band over. <laughs> I um, I do think that there are funnier episodes this season. Things that have made me more, laugh more consistently. However, this was a special episode. Mm-hmm. And there were some very funny moments, I think. I did laugh out loud a couple times. Oh, yeah. And, um... I don't think it was bad at all. We had some great... And then even apart from Anthrax, we had Fred Willard, which is great. Kooky, which was just weird, but, you know, weird flex, but okay. Do you want to comb? I, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was, a, it was a fun one. And honestly, those... Oh, I know one thing that made me laugh out loud was every single time they, they kept making fun of Marcy, I was dying. Yep. Like, let's get the little guy's shovel. And I'm like, thank you, sir. And I just... it That just cracks me up every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like while I like I said, there were a probably some funnier episodes. This one was a special one, so I'm going to have the entire band come over. 
Nice. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not about the jokes. It's the overall experience. Yeah. All right, Dan, how many members of Anthrax are heading over to your house for dinner tonight at a five for this episode? Uh, uh, all the funny ones. So that one guy got left out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I would rate this a four out of five. Um, I, I definitely can see why it's uh, very memorable for a lot of people. Um, like I said, I have no like personal connection to the band Anthrax. I like, but I do like Scotty, and like we said, um, so I, I like that aspect of it. But more than anything, Married with Children always just comes down to the jokes and these jokes were great um i can think of the some of the episodes that obviously i've rated a five that i did enjoy just a little bit more but this this episode definitely had like some laugh out loud moments like just some outrageous like just burst out laughs um i don't know i i I enjoyed it but not as much as I've enjoyed myself watching some of the other episodes. But I still really liked it. So, yeah, four out of five members of Anthrax are getting invited to dinner. Nice. So how many band members are you having over your house out of five for this episode, Jerry Cortez? Um, I mean, I think most people are going to know my score. But obviously, I always love this episode because of Anthrax. But over the years, I've revisited this episode multiple times. And I've become a big fan of the B storyline as well. Uh, Al and Peg out in Florida. Um, the Fred Willard's appearance is absolute gold. And I mean, the, at this point in his career, I just see his face and I start to chuckle. He doesn't even have to say anything yet. So, you know, based on the, the A and the B story here, the appearance of one of my favorite heavy metal bands, uh, the appearance of my absolute favorite character actor, and then even, you know, the comedy around Kooky Burns, which I wasn't the biggest fan of when it first aired, but over the years I've warmed up to it. So my rating is going to be the exact same as Miss Jamie. It's all five band members are coming. I thought about going four and a half, but ultimately I really like Joey Belladonna's voice. So I don't want to cut him in half and, you know, just have, you know, a, a stump on stage at my house. So, yeah, all five members. <laughs> yeah, no bloody stumps on our stage. <laughs> Well, it looks like Dan is the guy keeping uh, this from <laughs> from having a Hall of Famer record. Uh, I like how he came back to tell us that, though. He ran away after eating Mom's mystery pack, told us that, ruined the Hall of Famer, and then left again. But, hey, that's <laughs> Dan. You gotta love him. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm inviting all five members of Anthrax to my house for a dinner. This has just always been one of my favorite episodes ever. Everything. Everything is just great to me. Like I said, it's my like it's my favorite uh, bunch of reactions to Al um, and his not wanting to have sex with Peg. Like it's almost as if they've been grooming the idea for all these years and then they just knew how to deliver all of the rejection all at once. And it was just just funny the whole way through. Great B story, being stuck with these guys trying to sell you this stuff and how annoying they are. And, and, you know, time shit, it's a whole weird thing that was not mainstream in the world at the time. So they exposed, like, this whole weird underbelly of, like, who does this? 
Like, who the <laughs> hell goes to these things? Like, what are you talking about? Timeshare. Yeah. You know, like, it really shined a light on it. And it it's obviously an exaggerated version, but it's still... It's, it's what you feel like by the time you're done. You know, you almost feel like it was such an invasion that it was like that. Bud and Kelly, the whole thing, the jabs, the anthrax... That house party was perfection to me. Their <laughs> their acting was a little unnatural and all, all that, like I said, but it's like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's just them. I don't know. The mist, mom's mystery pack put it over the top, and then the smashing stuff and destroying the house is just the icing on the cake. This is a five out of five. I loved it and was always looking forward to reviewing this episode, and... It's a part of our show, our podcast, having that song in the beginning of every episode. Mm-hmm. And there was something that I wanted to say earlier that I completely forgot about, about this episode and the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. One of one of my absolute favorite things on the show that's a recurring joke is when Bud slut shames Kelly, but she doesn't get the joke. I absolutely love her deadpan reactions. Right. In this episode, he did it like three times. He did it with the hush-hush sweet harlot joke. He did it with the old man wearing hats handing out candy joke. Right. And she she does that just deadpan reaction where she doesn't – she knows that he's shaming her, but she doesn't quite get it. So she can't develop a comeback right away. They've done that all through the show, and it never gets old to me. So I just wanted to point out that that was – those were a couple of my favorite moments of this episode as well. They did it two episodes ago when he says, smart, funny, and she'll give you change back for a dollar. <laughs> she literally had that blank face on. She, like, she yeah. didn't get it, you know? I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, man. I'm glad, you know, like I said, this is the perfect episode for you as a fan of the show. So diehard you were and are, I guess. Uh, hey, you are enough to listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, this was this was an absolute treat. I, I really this was fun. Uh, and I got to say, believe it or not, this this podcast is the most notes I've ever taken for a for a freaking 21 minute episode. <laughs> I took more notes than a two and a half hour German expressionist film that we wow. reviewed recently. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough about how much I love this show, how much I, you know, love listening to you guys talk about it. So, yeah, this was an absolute treat. And if you ever need an extra voice, I will always be available to you because, yeah, I, I you guys are all great. You're some of my favorite podcasters. Well, you know, you guys and Dan. Um, and and Jerry, when he's on, you know, obviously a lot of people listening know that I work with Jerry Herring on a, on a podcast on underwater Kaiju from outer space as well. So, you know, whenever he's on, it's also a treat for me. I am also in the Steve camp with Jerry. So, you know, (laughs) Jerry's, Jerry's think alike. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'll probably be joining you when they do, uh, Godzilla vs. monster zero. Awesome. Awesome. I'll be on that. Yeah, but Jerry, you do a lot of shows. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, tell, tell everybody where you could be heard. Oh, man. Let's see. How much time you got? Uh, let's uh, see. We're at 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of my shows are on hiatus right now, unfortunately. The very first show I was ever on, The Horror Cast, is on a little bit of an extended uh, hiatus because the main host retired from podcasting recently. So we're kind of in the middle of trying to figure out what the what the future holds for The Horror Cast. Mm-hmm. But as far as what I'm on currently, you can hear me on No More Room in Hell. Uh, we also have a side cast for that, ep- for that show called No More Room in Hell Presents Fresh Cuts, where we 
only talk about the newest horror movies, usually within a couple of days of their release, if they're theatrical releases, and at least a week within their you know VOD or streaming release. Uh, so and that's a weekly show. We put that out every week. So you can look for that on the Horophilia Network. Um, as I mentioned, Jerry Herring and myself can, uh, can be heard on Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. That one's on the Legion Podcast Network. Uh, you can also hear me on Theme Warriors, um, which is a great little show that isn't horror specific. It's just kind of cinema centric in general. Uh, so we handle a lot of different uh, types of movies. And then finally, uh, Slice and Dice, the Slice and Dice Dreadcast. That, that's my most recent show that I joined uh, with a couple of guys from the Horror Mafia. And then I also do still have a couple of projects, actually, that I'm working on right now that I can't really talk about. One of them does involve Mr. Jerry Herring, though, so look out for that. And and then I'm working on another one with a friend of mine out here locally. So, I mean, yeah, I'm on six shows currently, and I'm always looking <laughs> for more. Um some people, you know, have made the comments online that I must not have a life. And it's not that's half true. I am married. <laughs> I, I don't have any kids, but I'm in, I'm in the advantageous position that my wife works nights. So I have all my nights free and she works weekends. Dude, so I that's have my what weekends. I have. Yeah. So yeah. as far as watching movies and talking about them on podcasts, I've got all the time in the world. So, yeah. And, and you know, I, I've only been at it for a couple of years. This is only my third year of podcasting. The fire is still burning very bright and I, I love doing it uh, as often as I possibly can. As a lot of listeners know, I end up appearing on almost every horophilia show mm-hmm. and I've got more guest appearances lined up coming up. So, yeah, um, I just, you know, I, I still have a a really deep seated passion for, for podcasting and horror films in general. So yeah. Um, you know, as long as that passion is there, I will continue to podcast as long and as often as I possibly can. Well, we actually had a project that ended up sadly oh. getting aborted before so we sad. Got started. And I was really looking forward to that, but it yes. was, uh, out of our hands. Um, but wow. it's always a pleasure to work with you, Jerry. I've worked with you several times. It's always, always a good time. I enjoy the conversation and I mean, hey, another metal lover, so and <laughs> horror lover, so what could possibly be wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you both again very much and extend my thanks to Dan as well. I mean, like I said, this was a treat and uh I, I had a lot of fun both in my research and uh tonight recording. So yeah, this was great. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, we'll tell him when he stops seeing colors. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Jerry's fire is still burning bright. I'm coasting on fumes, but listen, I'm still gonna get done with these next couple of years of this show. Um, no, I'm not on fumes. No, I'm I'm still good. Uh, Married with Children has reignited my flame. I was kind of done with horror, and uh, I felt that we did everything we could do, even though it's not true. But it's just a feeling. And this show definitely is like something just fresh and different and funny. Like we never got to enjoy a laugh that much unless we're making fun of stuff. Yeah, that's true. This is yeah. it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different mindset. Yeah. And of course, I still do horror, but um, this is this is a super fun break away from that. Yeah. And I am eleven years in, going strong. So awesome. Yeah, my first podcast was 2010 August. So. Um, technically nine years, I guess. Nice. Uh, even though I took like six months off at some point, I don't know. 
tune in two weeks from tonight as we review Psychic Avengers. The Bundys take on all the psychic families of the region when Al takes over Jefferson's psychic prediction scam. <laughs>